We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, we could, I mean, we could talk the defense for like another 20 minutes, I feel like, easy, but we got to get some offensive talk in there. Um, okay. And just to kind of to kind of wrap us up a little bit as we we get close to that thirty minute mark, um, kind of two two things that stood out to me. One of them is a little quick one, but uh, Noah Whittington on yeah. the updated roster. I think he was either like five eight, five nine, but north of of two hundred pounds now. Um, yeah, five eight, two hundred and eight pounds. So his weight gain is certainly something that was notable because I think he was playing closer to one ninety five last year, mm-hmm. um, and so that development along with um, Jordan James is getting some good talk, you know, burned his red shirt as a true freshman carved out a role as a third down back, which may not seem that big for some people, but Carlos Lachlan said that was a significant role for him, especially <laughs> when they were working in yeah. the one, a one B with, with Bucky and Noah. Right. So maybe we're going to see some more of a, you know, Noah Whittington maybe being used a little bit differently uh, as the proclaimed fastest back by Carlos Lachlan himself, but maybe we'll see some more of Jordan James and see him take that next step. Yeah, I was the one who framed the question that Carlos didn't like, where he had to correct me and tell me that Jordan James did play a big role last year for a freshman because he was he was getting the ball in big situations, which no disagreement. I was more asking if like if his role grows and he's now you know is he is he in the mix with with Bucky and Jordan or, uh, and, and Noah in that in that contingent there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that was a couple of things. Um, Whittington to me physically is it looks like an NFL running back. Um, like he, he kind of, it's different because of several things, but like just build wise, it's a little like Austin Ecklery, like short, stocky, but still a lot of burst and a lot of power. I mean, I still remember that run against Colorado. Can't remember if I was, I think I was field side for that, um, where he just absolutely plastered a guy going into the end zone, just, and it was allowed. Um, so he's got a little bit of that power, but yeah, he's also showed last year. He can, he can do a lot of other things like. I, I do think Bucky gets, and rightfully so, a lot of attention because he is so, so unique and gifted as a ball carrier, whether it be a vision. Vision's part of it, but a big part is just his his feet, his agility, and his ability to stay He plays alive, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's you know, you go, you go watch last year's highlights and, gosh, there's 12, 15 plays where you're just like, man, that's, that's next-level stuff. That's like... Because so much of the running back position, right, is like hit the hole, get up field. And that's just like what you're looking to do. Like what Bucky does, it's kind of like wins above replacement or whatever in baseball where you're like, what's the average person going to do on this play? I feel mm-hmm. like Bucky exceeds expectations so much because 
sure, he hits the hole and does the right thing. But then when he's faced with having to make somebody like the next move, he almost wins every time on those, like and then creates an extra three or five yards. Or sometimes he breaks a couple tackles and it's like against BYU. It was what, like an extra 20 yards, almost scores on, on that long one. Um, so, I mean, I love, I love both those guys. I mean, I'm incredibly intrigued by, by Jordan. I thought it was also interesting how like Lachlan had some interesting quotes about the, the true freshmen and how they're, they're not putting them in a microwave. They need to put them in the oven and take some time. So maybe we have to pump the brakes on the Dante Dowdell and, and, and Jaden Lamar excitement, but both those guys look physically ready and they're both listed. I think at two, I think Lamar was like five eleven, two hundred, 200 and, and Dowdell was but six two two fifteen. I think like those are guys who physically at least can play, but based upon what Lachlan is saying, like they might not like, maybe it is just those three guys and, and maybe you look to redshirt one or both of the other two. So, um, like I, I think it's a room that's really talented, and and you're right. I think the the question to me becomes, yeah, d- is it really just the two man backfield primarily? Because those guys did have, I think I did the the stats like seventy five percent of the running back carries last mm-hmm. year. Or does Jordan James throw his name in there, and you know, does he start carrying the ball, you know, in different situations? Like I think that's to me kind of the big, the question that I had that that Carlos wasn't really ready to uh, to answer directly. <laughs> Well, we know the running backs are going to be just crazy good. I mean, it's always loaded in Eugene at that position. Um, we are over the 30-minute mark, Eric. I was hoping to get one more topic out yeah. of you. Is that is that we, all right? We can do a couple more if you want. I don't I don't got a whole lot going. Okay, okay, cool. Well, let's keep it rolling. Um, sticking with some offense, try to balance this bad boy out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really intrigued with what this offensive line group is going to look like yeah. because – you find yourself in a really unique situation if you're a leak Terry who makes his return to Eugene after serving on staff with Mario Cristobal, spending some time in the NFL. Now it's his second time with his own room uh, after coaching at Hawaii, and you find yourself replacing what I think a lot of people would consider one of the best offensive lines Oregon's ever had, yeah. um, just yeah. in terms of production, keeping Bo Nix upright last year. Um, and you're also in an interesting spot because you don't have Adrian Clem anymore. Um, and this is a, a group that I think enters the season with a tremendous amount of expectation, uh, just for that room. And then certainly, uh, from a coaching standpoint with the league, Terry filling in for, for, uh, Adrian Clem now, but you, the cupboard's not bare. It is not bare at all. You have Josh Connerly jr. Uh, who is probably looking like your left tackle to, to keep, uh, Bo Nix upright, protects his blind side, who had a really solid freshman campaign and um, wasn't even necessarily really like a full-time starter. He had that 14-J formation where he was featured heavily, but you have him coming back. You have uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, who may be pulling away a little bit at center. We don't really know yet. Marcus Harper is also in that discussion. And then you have Steven Jones. So you have a lot of guys who have played a decent amount of football for you, but then you go into the portal and you get Junior Angelau, who – Looks like he is uh, pretty close to full health, I want to say. You can you can uh, maybe check me on that one. Uh, and then a Johnny Cornelius, who might have been the most coveted tackle in the entire transfer portal. And then I feel like you kind of had a little bit of a last-minute uh, luxury addition with Nashad Struther coming over from East Carolina. So I am super curious to see how this group shakes out and what those uh, you know starting five ultimately look like. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of similar to defensive back where where you've got some guys back, but you went out and were so aggressive in adding players from the portal that there are players that I think 
probably right after the season ended and, and before some of the moves were made, you figured like felt like Marcus Harper was like a sure thing to be starting this year after he played pretty darn well in Stephen Jones's place last year. Well, I don't know. I would be really surprised at this point if he has a starting job. I don't really see where it comes from because uh, Angilau and Struther are both just, I mean, they've got more experience. They both are three-year starters. Um, and Struther was graded out really, really well at his time at East Carolina. Um, very different body type than a lot of these guys. And he's like 6'2", 320 pounds. He's a pretty stout guy, but I'm not convinced Marcus Harper is a starter. Um, I mean, more likely he's your backup center and probably your first guard or second guard off the bench because you also have to recognize like Stephen Jones is back and that's a guy who's got a ton of starting experience and he's probably your starting right guard. And if he's your, like, just to talk you through this, like, this is how I see things right now and I might be wrong on some of this. My, my guess from left to right, the starting five is something like, something like Connerly, Struther, JPJ, Jones, Cornelius, something like that. Well, Harper and Angi Lau's name, I just, I didn't mention either of them. And that I like that is kind of where I'm at of like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Jones doesn't start. Maybe Angi Lau is ahead of him. Um, Harper, maybe he pushes Struther or, 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 or pushes JPJ. So like, there is still this to the point you made earlier about who's going to be the starting five. Like that's my best guess. Again, I'm not in there watching them do, I haven't watched them do a single 11, 11 drill. I haven't seen them line up. I don't really have a sense of how they're working. Really. I've heard some things, but like, it's intriguing. It's interesting. And the, I think the exciting part is, you know, how many times a, almost every year you see a guy miss at least a handful of games on the offensive line. Right. Sure. Alex, Alex Forsyth is always out. We talked about Steven Jones, like Brian walk last year. They've got a bunch of guys now. Like they, they are. I don't want to say completely, um, you know, you know, set, set up. To, yeah. But but like they 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 do have like seven, eight guys probably, and then there's some young guys that are like people. I, I think it was Brandon Dorless said that Iapani Lalu, Feope's younger brother, is the most athletic player on the team. Like, like, and this is a true freshman interior lineman who's probably not any better than your third string guy at this point, but. Like there's that's a, that's intriguing. I, I thought I heard so many positive things about Dave Iuli in spring, where I was like kind of fiddling with the idea maybe he'd start, and then they brought in Struther, and Angilau's healthy, and it's just like oh he's probably farther down there. So there's there's a lot that on the offensive line, and and while it's not a group that's played it together at all, and several of these guys haven't started at Oregon before, like it's a group that like I think eventually could be really really good, and the part that excites me the most are the tackles. There's all that uncertainty at guard, but like you mentioned earlier, could like this defensive line be one of the more deep defensive lines in a long time? Like, I think those could be the best, the most athletic, at least two offensive tackles Oregon has ever had. Like Josh Connerly is a freak with how he moves. Johnny Cornelius isn't far behind. So you've got two very, very athletic offensive tackles. So, um, and then you've got a bunch of guys in the interior that we've talked about already. And, and once they find whatever the right, kind of matches and kind of the fit for everything is like I, I think they'll be pretty darn good I don't think you'll be seeing them right out of the gate you know seamlessly jump out there and look awesome like I, it could take all of non-conference play a couple games in conference play maybe it's not until they get out of that bye week after I think it's after Stanford where they they really hit the ground running but I think the upside's really really high um, but again like I said on defensive back positions like there's just a lot of question marks of like how it all fits together which which is fun but like at this time of year, you'd like to have the certainty that these are the guys, but we don't. 
Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, you know, Oregon's at a good spot, right? You're in the midway point in fall camp. I'm, I'm sure that Elite Terry, Mike Kavanaugh, Cutter Leftwich, they're, they're all saying similar things to what we're saying right now. And you're, to your point, talking about how Marcus Harper might not even be a starter, I, I can't help but, but feel for him a little bit because he, fil- he filled in great yeah. last year after he Stephen did. Jones went down. But, but the fact that we're shifting these pieces around and he might not be a starter – um, and, and Steven Jones might even get, uh, you know, kind of leapfrogged for lack of a better f- phrase, yeah. uh, by some of these portal guys is, is crazy. And I think it speaks to, if you're a league Terry, you, you couldn't really ask for a better situation here coming into an, uh, you know, returning, but you know, a new responsibility, right. Um, a newer member of the coaching staff, you're, you're not in a position where you're working with a bunch of puppies that haven't played a lot of football. You're working with experienced guys. Now yeah. it's just a matter of how do you find that right combination that that kind of works the best and hums the best uh, along the offensive line because we know if, if that doesn't get figured out, this offense isn't going anywhere. But I don't think that's a concern. It's more of a, a good problem to have uh, if you're looking in the trenches right now. Yeah, I agree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, let's talk about the uh, tight end spot a bit because that's another group that is um, kind of more of a question mark. I I don't want to use that term too much, but it, it really is because this group underwent a whole lot of change in the course of the offseason. Um, you had Terrence Ferguson, who was obviously the the leader at that position last year. And um, maybe Maliki Matavao and, and Cam McCormick kind of flew under the radar or were maybe a little bit uh, underappreciated because they didn't get the ball a whole lot, but they both hit the portal. Maliki ends up at UCLA. Cam McCormick follows Cristobal to Miami. And now you're if you're a Duck fan, you're looking at yourself like, shoot, we don't have a whole lot of depth here. Uh, and the pieces that they did bring in, um, Ludwig and, and Casey Kelly from the transfer portal. They're hopefully going to complement uh, projected starters, Terrence Ferguson and, and Patrick Herbert. 
but we still don't really know what we're going to get from this group. And we haven't even talked about Kenyon Sadiq, who was a, a pretty freaky athlete out of Idaho, but maybe a bit undersized uh, upon his arrival. Yeah, no, it's another one. I mean, again, that's going to be the, I think the common kind of common, if we get to receive like quarterback, we feel good. I know quarterback. I feel <laughs> Finally, confident. finally find, <laughs> find a position. I feel good about, I, I feel good about a lot of these, but that I confident about the hierarchy at least. Um, yeah, I mean, tight end. I mean, so Drew Maringer spoke on on Wednesday, so yesterday, and you know, one of the things I was curious was, you know, last year they really did rotate four guys. I don't know if fans realize with how much with the frequency that they rotated, but you know, they had four guys who played more than two hundred snaps last year, and you know, you do the math on that. That's that's like 15, 20 snaps per game for all those guys. You know, Patrick Herbert played the least at like two hundred nineteen. I think Ferguson played the most. I was just looking earlier today; it was like a little over four hundred. But Cam McCormick and Maliki Madovao right there. And actually, McCormick and Madovao started six games each. Ferguson started six games. They had three guys that were kind of pseudo-alpha, pseudo-top guys. Well, those two guys are – two of those guys are gone. And my question to Maringer was, you guys rotated with four last year. Like, do you have the bodies and the, t- the group to do it this year? And, and he basically said, we've got three we know are, are capable because of the playing experience. And that's that's Ferguson, that's Herbert, and that's, and that's Casey Kelly coming over from Ole Miss where he played – Quite a bit. I, I don't have the snap counts in front of me, but he was borderline star. He started some more, games. More of a blocker, too. Yeah, more of a blocker. So who's the fourth guy? And the fourth guy would be Kenyon Sadiq. But to to you know Drew's point, like it's a different animal. And and while I, I mean I love Ken, I mean he, I don't know where he was for you in terms of favorite film you watched for that twenty three class for Oregon, but Kenyon's is near the top for me. I just loved watching him play and the highlights that he had out in Idaho. And of course, competition is very different. He was also playing out wide from a lot of it. You know, he wasn't a tight end really. I think his senior year he focused on a little bit more, but his to start in high school, he thought he was playing, you know, more of a, an out, you know, an outside receiver role. So he has to figure out some of these fundamental things. And and so that was kind of the point that Drew made, which was like, we'd like to be at four. We think we could get there, but Kenyon's kind of got to have to step his his game up a little bit. We'll see what he can do because. You know, while everybody wants to get excited by the true freshman, I think sometimes we forget how hard it is to actually play college football when you're 18 or 19 years old. So that's the challenge for for Kenyon. I think physically he's he's 6'3", 235, so he is still on the smaller side. But, I mean, I've always seen him more of kind of in a, you know, Georgia used Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers and sometimes, you know, a couple other guys. But those guys complemented each other because you had Washington who was just like, the biggest human being on the field and then Bowers who could do all sorts of things with the football. Like I'm not saying Sadiq is Brock Bowers because that's really, really lofty expectations, but I think that's kind of the role they hope he assumes at some point. I'm not convinced that's this year, but and that's kind of the point is, is I, it, it might be a year where you really do see them lean on those three veteran guys and maybe Sadiq gets out there in certain packages and flashes and maybe his role grows as the year goes on. But Kind of my sense talking to Drew yesterday was like, yeah, we feel really good about the three guys that have the experience, but Sadiq is going to have to prove himself. And the other thing is they've got like six, seven walk-on tight ends who are all new players I don't really know much about. Probably one or two of those guys is going to have to at least position himself to be not a contributor, but to be a guy who's kind of that next man up if a player goes down because – um you know, Caden Ludwig would be probably the most logical one as a transfer who was, I think, on scholarship at Colorado. But my understanding is he's not at Oregon. Um, but still, like at, at some point, you've got to feel like one or two of these walk-on guys is like able to give you something in a pinch. And I have no feel for what that looks like at this point. 
Yeah, so it's it's an interesting discussion because you have some guys that are there that can do something for you, but at the same time, you know, if you were to just head into the if the season started right now, you have three guys that you're feeling confident with, you, you could be looking at the possibility of of being a little bit limited in terms of what you're able yeah. to do um, from a play calling position uh, with, with Will Stein. So it's going to be a work in progress. Ludwig was a uh, was um, a linebacker, I think, coming out of high school, and, and might have even been focusing on that at Colorado. So yeah. still have to see how that one pans out. The the last question I want to uh, or area I want to explore, Eric, on this, I, we might have talked about it the last time I brought you on, but it, it's been a little while. I just wanted to point to and discuss the the roster overhaul from from a from a broad standpoint because I think that is really indicative of where the sport is at right now in the era of the transfer portal. Um, but also I think it's going to really pay off in terms of helping Dan Lanning, helping this coaching staff close that gap in terms of getting to the team that they need to be to achieve some of these lofty goals, like a PAC 12 title, a new Year's six bowl, or even getting back to the playoff. It's such a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> it really I, is for, for a lot of there's so many moving parts here and you can point to four or five things that have played big roles into the sport changing a lot but i mean just the fact of the matter is is like it's kind of like what you're seeing on men's basketball at oregon where oregon fans are always like we don't really know the team because it's a new team every year i'm not saying oregon fans aren't excited about this team but let's be real you don't really know your team yet you know and and, and typically you go into a year with like oh we've got 55 returners or whatever, 60 returners, you know, it's just the recruiting class and maybe a couple of players coming in. Like it's like half the roster is new this year. You know, I mean, it wasn't on last year's team. That's just different. It's strange, but it also to your point, I do agree that it's giving Dan Lanning an opportunity to expedite the process of making the roster his own, you know, and, and to your point to, to potentially position them more quickly to, be the type of team he wants to get the kind of linebackers he's looking for to go, Hey, we didn't like maybe the certain players we had at this position group that I inherited. Let's go retool it. Like he did at linebacker. Like he tried to do it at corner. Like we haven't talked about receiver, but they added three receivers there. They, they had to rehaul the, a lot of the offensive line. Like a lot of these position groups just look a lot different in part because players left, but some of those players left because I think they Oregon was pretty okay with them leaving because they wanted different players that fit better. So, um, you know, there's pros and cons for Dan. I think that the pro is, I think the team is in a better shape now than it was when he inherited it. I would think most fans would agree. The con, and it's not a big one for Dan necessarily, but from a, you know, from a, I guess, expectations perspective or how the season will be viewed, he doesn't have the built-in excuse of, oh, I don't have my players. Because there's really not very many Mario Cristobal players left on this roster. Um, like, if you were to go through the two deep, I'll just try to do the exercise in my head, like Troy Franklin... Terrence Ferguson, um, Jackson, Jackson Powers Johnson. Those are the only guys in the offense that were were, were were Mario recruits. And then you go defense. There's you know there's a couple more there. You got Popos and Popo might have been like a Haggard recruit. Chris Hudson too. Chris offense. Hudson, yeah, good call there. Um, but yeah, but do you see my point? Like it's like four or five of the you guys kind of hand pick starting. Them. You have to kind of think through and go ah, there's so many. So you know, I mean, that's the other part is well, you know, if if this doesn't work out, like he kind of has to eat it because it's it's the way he wanted to build this team and i remain really confident it will work out but that's the other part here and, and what you have to get used to as a college football fan is 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 yeah like this is going to be this looks a lot more like what dan landing wanted a lot quicker than i think a lot of us expected um and i, I i'm really confident that's going to pay dividends but 
but we'll, I guess we'll kind of see. We'll see. We'll see what his was. You know, obviously he's had a vision and he's gone out and been very, very specific and 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 um and intentional with how he's gone about putting this together. Um, but we don't know yet, and we'll see when the games are played this fall how much success they've actually had in re in overhauling this thing because. You know, I think it's pretty clear just if you just want to look at the, the the offense and the defense under Mario and now under Dan, I think a lot of different philosophies of what they tried to get accomplished in a lot of different ways. And Dan has built this team the way he wants it to. And now let's I guess we got we're gonna have to see how it actually works and how it unfolds. I, I'm really excited for it, but um, you know, it, it, it Dan can't there's no way he can hide behind, oh, I'm using other it's the other guy's players. And that's I think you'd ever say that. No one's he, gonna he would never say that, but uh, you know the fans talking about it. You know, if, if they could rationalize, like, "Oh, we only won eight games this year, nine games." Well, it was all Mario's guys. Well, you really can't say that. These are Dan's guys. And then the other point is, he's going to be celebrated even more if they win eleven or twelve games because it's going to be, yeah, look what he can do with with his guys. So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting season from from that perspective. And, and I think Oregon finds themselves, as does a majority of college football, in the position where you're not rebuilding, you're reloading, retooling mm -hmm. uh, on a year-to-year -year basis. And that's certainly what's happening in Eugene. I, I just had the the image in my head as we kind of get closer to the season in a, in a couple of weeks. And, you know, we kind of got to see what this team looks like. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm um, imagining it or liking it to like a, a parent, like letting it go of their kid mm. when they're like not having the training wheels anymore on a bike. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a good image or not, but it kind of seemed like uh, something that could could be a workable, uh, you know, comp here as as we really don't know what this team looks like in a couple of pretty important areas. But it's not in terms of like, man, it could be really bad. It's just we don't know what that potential ultimately looks like because we haven't seen the tape. In your yeah, but in your hypothetical, Max, how are you envisioning the writing for the kid going? Is he like falling over immediately, or does he keep pedaling? That's the question. Yeah, I I, uh, I think keep pedaling. Um, I think you could see maybe looking a little wobbly at the start in Couple terms wobbles, of the, yeah. the offensive line kind of trying to gel and um, Oregon shooting themselves in the foot, which seems like a trademark of, of the team over the past couple of years. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately, I think we could definitely see the 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 the, the kid riding pretty, uh, pretty smoothly if, if this thing works out. And I think that there's certainly reason to think that it will. Yeah, let's just hope there's not any flat tires. Can't have any flat tires. Yeah, don't don't want any of those. But uh, yeah, Eric, I, I've kept you long enough. I could keep yeah. going. But um, before we get out of here, do me a favor and uh, let the people know where they can find more of you and, and the work that you're doing around the Ducks. Yeah, so uh, DuckTerritory.com. We are the 24-7 sports affiliate for Oregon. Uh, myself, Jared Mack, Matt Preem, we cover the Ducks, um, I think, as well as just about anybody in terms of the team coverage. We certainly have the largest contingent of people out there. We run three deep along with a photographer for basically everything. Um, Odds and Audible's podcast uh, is worth checking out. Uh, I guess it's a competing podcast to this one, but I'll, I will say it's better because I'm on it because I guess I'm a narcissist and that's how we do this. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, me, me, Jared and, and Matt do, I think a good job with the pod as well. We, we, we had one go up uh, earlier today where we were kind of running through some of the things we we're excited about joining the big 10, which we, uh, we haven't really talked about here today, but that's another podcast for another time. Um, and we've had some great guests come on over the last year or so we had Dan Lanning on the podcast, which was, uh, which was a blast. So, uh, yeah, ch definitely go check that stuff out. And, and, but, uh, but really just check out duckterritory.com. We've got a special running right now. If you want to subscribe. All right. There you go. Well, you guys make sure you tap in with Eric. Uh, I, I definitely uh, root for him from afar um, as, uh, you know, someone who definitely helped me with my transition into the industry and 
just a, a great guy. And then, of course, as I said in the beginning, the Zag can never find too many of those. They're all great. Um, but if you guys want to find more of me, make sure you tap in with me on Twitter and Instagram at mtaurussports. If you're here on YouTube, subscribe to the channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus. This is tremendous help. And then you can read all my written coverage of the Ducks over on ducksdigest.com. But until next time, appreciate you guys stopping by, taking some time to talk some ball. Thanks to Eric for coming on, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com